Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is over Malachi chapter 3, Things That Never Change, part 4. We're in Malachi, the last page almost of the Old Testament. Chapter 3, second to the last chapter of Malachi, second to the last chapter of the Old Testament. Not far from graduating, are we? <laughs> to something else. Malachi 3, and we're going to be picking up in verse 13 through 18 in just a bit. We've been pursuing this uh, three things listed here underneath the heading of what it says in Malachi 3, 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, or you, O anybody, are not consumed. Because God's a good God. He stays good. He doesn't have bad days. He stays the same. And because he stays the same, we have some things that we can absolutely count on and it lists three headings here, and there's more than just three, of course, but three major headings that we've been considering together here in Malachi. First of all, his passion for purity. We saw that several weeks ago. God is passionate about purity. His goal for your life is that you be conformed to the image of his son. It would be better for you, I should say, life will make more sense for you if you would get with that program. Because that is the program you're on. Program is for you to look like him, act like him, think like him, speak like him, operate like he would in this world. We are his hands and feet. We say that, right? But we, that's actually the point. And so if we're not with that program that we find ourselves buttoned up against, there's, you've had collisions before, right? Well, try having a head-on with God. You won't like it. Uh, but sometimes that's what's going to happen. And God's not going to back up on you just because you're having, I don't know, uh, a crisis or whatever. He's still going to be pushing you in that direction. So first of all, his passion for purity. Secondly, his blessing on, on those who give. And we saw that for the past couple of weeks, been looking at that. And then and today we're going to be finishing up by looking at his, his um, bookkeeping, his system of bookkeeping, things that don't change. One of the things that don't change about God is he has a way of keeping books that will not change. There's a lot of ways to keep books, right? We have different methods. There's accounting methods, this kind and that kind. And there's a, another accounting method that's not necessarily a good one, but a story that was told by um, comedian by the name of Jerry Clower, now with the Lord, he tells the story of an experience he had with a, with a man in his hometown there who was a general store owner, a guy by the name of Duval Scott. Uh, I don't know if you know what a general store is. Most of us are not familiar with it, but if you're from a really small town in the middle of nowhere, a general store was just that. You could buy uh, a surfboard, maybe not that, but anything from a surfboard all the way to a chicken at a general store. So Duval, Duval Scott ran a general store. He's a very religious man. And uh, operated his religion publicly in the sense that every time he rang up a sale, according to the story, when he pushed the cash button, he would quote a Bible verse that had something to do with the exchange. Uh, for instance, the child comes in and uh, uh, buys a piece of candy, and he would ring up the sale, and he would say, Suffer the little children to come unto me, as Jesus said. Uh, uh, a daughter would come in to buy something for her mom and dad, and, and he would ring up the sale, and he would say, uh, uh, honor thy father and thy mother, quoting from, of course, uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 12. Uh, so he would do this on a continual basis, and the, the people, the kids that worked for him in the store knew that he was like that, and he had a reputation for that, and he was a good, good and decent man. Uh, one day they had an experience, though, in which this, this wealthy man, apparently wealthy man, drives up into the parking lot, gets out of a very beautiful truck, has a very beautiful harsh trailer in tow with apparently a very valuable horse, uh, and the trailer comes in and asks to buy a horse blanket. Well, he's got horse blankets. They're $5 a piece. Mr. Duval goes in the back, uh, gets one of the $5 horse blankets, plops it down on the counter, and says, that'll be $5. The man says, no, 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 you don't understand. 
I have a horse worth thousands of dollars out here in the trailer. There's no way I'm going to put a $5 horse blanket on a $20,000 horse. He said, I'm just not going to do it. Don't you have something better? There was only one stack of blankets in the back. They were all worth $5, but they were different colors. So he takes that blanket, goes in the back, sets it down, picks up a blanket of another color, lays it on the counter. He says, that'll be $25. The man said, you don't understand. That's a valuable horse. Don't you have a different blanket that's more valuable? He says, well, as a matter of fact, I do. He goes from the same $5 pile, pulls a different color, comes and places it on the counter, and says, that'll be $50. The man says, now, that's more like it. Pulls out a $50 bill, hands it to uh, Mr. Duval. Mr. Duval uh, starts heading toward the cash register. The man heads out the front door with his horse blanket, happy to see. Well, the whole time, the clerks had their eyes trained on Mr. Duval. So they see what happens. They know there's only a pile of $5 horse blankets, and he's just sold one for 50 bucks. So every time he rings up a sale, he quotes a verse. So they were interested to see how this man was going to handle himself. And so he stands in front of the cash register for a minute, and he contemplates. And then he goes to push the cash button, and as he does, he quotes Matthew 25, 35, that says, he says, he was a stranger, and I took him in. You know, sometimes we're tempted to think that God's uh, system doesn't work, that it doesn't pay, that it doesn't, it, it doesn't pay to do right, it doesn't, it doesn't pay to serve Him. Uh, the world seems to be getting away with everything, and we're getting away with nothing. Sometimes it seems like there's no good deed that goes unpunished. Uh, where's the payoff? Uh, where's the benefit? Well, let me tell you something we're going to be talking about this morning. God is a bookkeeper. He keeps very, very thorough books. But His system of accounting... It's not like ours. When you understand a system, you understand why you need to be accounting things, if you will, the same way. The first thing we've been looking at, uh, that first heading here, the first thing we can say, we've been, we've been speaking of, he's already introduced it here in Malachi, is that according to God's bookkeeping system, giving is receiving. That either I'm receiving right in our accounting system, either I'm accounts receivable or accounts payable, but in God's bookkeeping system, giving is receiving. Remember what it says here in Acts 20, Paul encouraging the church, and everything I showed you, that working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. Remember the words of Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. I've heard that before, right? You're all good with that, right? Here's a big question. Do you believe him? It doesn't do a bit of good if you like what he says. Oh, that's good for Jesus. But if it's not good for you, what good is it? Do, do you actually believe that it's better to give than receive? That actually in, in God's accounting system, it actually works out for your betterment to give than receive? Do you really believe it? Like I said, you'll demonstrate that by the things that you do. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said to them, Beware, be on your guard against every form of greed. How many forms of greed are there? Almost as many as there are people. We just can invent it, you know. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So you got a bunch of stuff. You go a bunch of places, do a bunch of things, but, but you're not blessed. There's no peace. 
There's no favor. You see, those are things that money can't buy. None of that, no way. I mean, his blessings is, are far more valuable than anything this world can give you. He says that, but here's the question again. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you really? Do you really believe God's accounting system is a valuable accounting system? In fact, the, the, the accurate accounting system, the only one that matters. Uh, he has an extra column listed in his bookkeeping called the blessed column. We looked at these verses last time in Corinthians, but I want to look at them one more time. Each one must do, this is with regards to giving, just as his purpose in his heart for God, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, of course. God is able to make all grace abound to you. I don't know where you can buy that anywhere, do you? I wasn't aware that was for sale on Amazon. All grace abound to you? You don't have to buy insurance to protect that, do you? They don't have to buy a gun to lock my doors to keep people from stealing it. All grace abound to you so that always in all sufficiency in everything you may have abundance for every good deed. Wow. That's the blessed column. That's the blessed. You don't have to worry about that column. Nobody's going to steal that from you because God has given it to you. That's God's accounting system. It's, it's a different type of books and it's far better. He goes on, Paul, here in the, in the church, letter to the Corinthians. Now, he who supplies, that is God, seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of, of what? Man, do you really need that? And me too. A harvest of righteousness? See, there's no regrets in that. There's no lost sleep over that. There's no broken relationships over that. There's no heartache over that. But if you keep the wrong set of books, there will be. You'll be enriched in everything, it says, with all liberality, so that through us it is producing, which is through us producing thanksgiving to God. Again, stuff that money can't buy. It's a different type of books, and it's far better. Number one, giving is receiving. Number two, the books don't have to balance to show a profit. I know your books do. I know the world's books do. I know the IRS books do. But not God's books. That is, let me just say this, not the way we figure things. See, see the way we figure things is kind of the way the, the people that Malachi is writing to figured things. Notice what their complaint here. Your words have been, God says, arrogant against me. Yet you say, what, what have we spoken against thee? He says, you have said it is vain to serve God. There's no profit in it. What profit is it if we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the arrogant blessed because it looks like they are, but not according to the real set of books. And not only are the, the doers of wicked uh, are built up, but they, are also, uh, they also test God and escape. It's they're the ones who are prospering. They're the ones who are doing better. Yeah, let me just say this if you feel that way. It's because you're looking at the wrong set of books. Yeah, in the worldly system, it may look like, at least for a time period, that they're doing okay, but not in the long run. Not in the real set of books. In the real set of books, it doesn't figure that way. And I don't know about you, but we, we, we want to know that we receive more than we pay out, unless you're a U.S. congressman and you can spend against deficit. Uh, You've got to have a positive cash flow, right? I mean, you've got to have that, but, but not in God's books. See, in God's books, at least in this world, there doesn't have to be a positive cash flow for it to be a payout. The, bank, the, the books don't have to balance 
to, to show a prophet. And again, if it feels that way to you, if it feels like the, the world, like they're saying here, the, the world gets to do whatever they want, and they're the ones that are benefiting, and they're the ones that are profiting, it's because, listen, you're looking at the wrong set of books. You're looking at the wrong set of books. In the short run, it may seem that what they're doing in, is working out, but in the long run, the figures never lie. David caught himself looking at the wrong set of books. He writes a psalm about it. I want, you to, I want to read it to you. Not the whole psalm, but part of it. Psalm 73. He says, For I was envious of the arrogant. It's the same situation as, as you find here. They were envious. It says, Arrogant get away with everything. Why not just be arrogant? Why not just be a liar? They seem to make it. They get by in the tax evasion and other things, and they may in this life. They may. The arrogant, he says, and the envious, and the, uh, the arrogant, the envious, I'm in. Let me start over. For I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked, or seemingly so. When I pondered to understand this, he says, it was troublesome in my sight. He's just like these people. It looks like they're getting away with everything, and I'm trying to live a righteous life, and where's the profit in it, right? Until, he says, I came into the sanctuary of God. You've got to look at the real books. Then I perceived their end. Hmm. That's where the real books are. You need to understand the real books are not closed and accounts are not settled in this life. It's in the next one. That's where the accounting is. Oh, the real book's closed in this life because he who has most toys wins. Not necessarily. When the real books are closed, it's going to be closed in a place where the stuff we accumulate accounts for nothing. It means nothing. And whatever the closure is there, it's going to be an eternal one, to be sure. Paul, speaking of the trials and tribulations, we like to think that the Olympics are something modern. They're, in fact, not. As Paul writes this, he's writing about a day in which the true Olympiads were held there in, in, in Greece and all over the Greek world. Everyone who competes in the games, referring to those games, goes into strict training. Have you ever noticed, that, true back then, true today, how much people give up to be in the Olympics? I mean, how much, like their whole life, like they, they, they give illustrations and they held it out as a great thing. Well, he lost his wife and children over it because he's achieving this gold medal. Am I supposed to applaud that? Well, way to go, you know. You ruined your whole life, but you got a piece of gold, by the way. You know what gold medal's made out of? Not gold. 7%, only 7% of a gold medal is actually made out of gold. So I killed myself. Deprived myself, moved to another country, lost my relationships with people, damaged with others, got involved in stuff I shouldn't get involved in, got myself down a, down a track toward who knows what because of all the notoriety it gives me and what I wind up with. That. All so that I can say until the day that I die, look what I got. You ain't got it, and I got it. And where I'm sitting, at least, if that's what you're saying to me, I'm saying, so? <laughs> wow, you've lost everything for that? It's not even solid gold. He says they compete in the games and go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. See, they're working off the wrong set of books. But we, he says, do it to get a crown that will last forever smart 
That's where the real books are settled. That's where the real counts are closed out. We've gotten all that, and then what have we got with it, you see? You see, if, if it's not just in the next life that the world's bookkeeping doesn't work. If you look closely in this life, the world's bookkeeping doesn't work. I mean, look at what they've lost. Like I said, look at the things they sacrifice, relationships that they've lost. So I've got a gold medal, let's say. What about my marriage? Got a gold medal, so that guarantees my wife's going to be happy and my kids are going to always make good decisions. And that I'm going to live longer, probably not, because I just try to kill myself. I'm going to make more money, maybe, maybe not. See, I've done all that for what? It doesn't make any sense any more than trying for other stuff. So I've accumulated houses and properties and monies and bank accounts and all these things. Great! Great, but it matters nothing the second after your debt. Nothing. It's not where the account, the real books are settled. It's just not. Speaking, by the way, of, of the world paying way too much for what they're getting, um, you know, I told you when we were talking about this giving thing, I told you a couple of Sundays ago that this church in the past year and a half has taken in more than a million dollars through the offerings and tithes, which is amazing. I mean, it's a little church. That's how much God has, has blessed us here. And I didn't tell you what actually we did with all that money. Would you like to know? We spent it. That's what we did with it. Because that's what we do here. Because listen, that's ministry. This is not a bank. We don't accumulate. It, what is given here is being given to reach people for Christ. Isn't that right? To, dis, to reach people for Christ, to disciple them, to meet their needs, to reach out to them, to counsel them, to care for them, to, to undergird them for our young people, for our old people. Ministry is a money pit. That's the way it is. Because that's what it's for. I, I, it, it's, I mean... You give money to ministry, do you want to see us raise our bank account levels? I mean, they are going up because we're spending as best we can, and they're still going up. That's just God's blessing. We're going to find a way to spend it. Let me tell you, we got some plans. <laughs> For the glory of God. My, my brother became a pastor of a church in East Texas a number of years ago, a small little church in the middle of nowhere, about 30 people on Sunday morning. He got there looking at just the preliminaries of what the church did, noticed the church gave Somewhere between eight and 10,000 every year toward missions. Pretty impressed. I mean, that's quite a bit of money to raise every single year toward missions. He, he thought that was a great thing until he got on the inside of the church. He'd been there a couple of months, and he realized that, that in a subheading underneath the missions was an account that he hadn't gotten to look at yet. In that account, let's get this, in their missions account was a half a million dollars. Like $495,000 that somebody's had been accumulating over decades in that church under the heading of missions. What's missions for? So, so he goes to the church, livid, and says, so we've got missionaries who are living off $10,000 a year. People needing to be reached for Christ, and we're sitting on a top of a half a million dollars. I don't want to have to answer for that. He, he got rid of that money, by the way. Or help them get rid of that money. What's it for? What's it for? And by the way, that, that example of spending is the exact example that we're following of the richest man who ever walked the earth. Do you know who he is? Solomon. Not Solomon. 
not Buffett, not Trump. I don't know that he had a last name, but his first name was Jesus. That's the way Jesus ran his books. 100% give out, right? 100% lay out. Why? Because that's what matters. That's what the real accounting, that's the stuff that's going to be rewarded. That's where the payout is. It's not in the bookkeeping that we have. There's no payout in that. Only regret. So, so the books don't have to balance to show a profit in this, in this life. And then the third thing, you don't get what you pay for. God's accounting system. You don't get what you paid for. Jesus compared serving the Lord to a king who left his possessions in charge of his servants. And he left with each one of his servants one mina. And a mina doesn't mean anything in our culture, but it meant a lot in that culture. It was equivalent to about a half a year's pay. So for us, somewhere between fifteen and $20,000 for the average, average incomes. Not a, not a fortune, uh, but nothing to, nothing to sniff at. And, and plus, it wasn't theirs. It was actually belonged to their master. And he says, I'm going to return at a date that I'm uncertain of. But when I get here, I'm going to need an accounting for the stuff that you did with my stuff. And so they went out and worked with it, and they made a profit with it and everything. And so, so when he returns, he calls his servants in to an account. And so they come and stand before him. And the first one comes in, and this is what he accounts. For the mind that he was given, it says he did this. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made 10 minus more. So if he started with 20, he's now got $200,000. Wow. I'd say that's something, wouldn't you? If he'd gone for a year or a couple of years, I would say, wow, I don't know who his investment person is, but I want to talk to him. <laughs> that's pretty good. Well done, he says, good slave, because you have been faithful in very little. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Very little. First of all, you gave me a half a year's pay. That's a lot. That in a culture where you live day to day, like I work today, and the only way I'm not going to eat tomorrow is I work today because I get paid at the end of the day. And if I don't want work today, guess what? I don't eat today. In that culture where it was very hard to accumulate any kind of wealth to give them six-month lead and him to turn it into 200000 effectively, wow, that's not a little. That's a lot. But the master apparently had a lot more in store, notice. Well, done, good and faithful servant because you've been faithful in very little. He thought it was. You are to be in authority over ten cities. Now, Jesus, of course, is telling us about the kingdom. What, what is my kingdom like? It's like me giving you something very small, you being faithful with it. But the payout, notice, is extremely high, isn't it? The ratio here is amazing. The dividend yield is, woo. I don't know where anywhere you can get that kind of stuff. The price you had to pay in this life is, listen, no way compares to the payout when the real books are settled. God is a bookkeeper. He keeps books. They're far better than ours. God's way over pays. It says this, says this multiple times in the scriptures. Take a look. Find the button here. Matthew 10, 42. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water, to one of these little ones who's my disciple. Makes you want to all get a cup of water, right? Truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose the reward. I was bringing uh, coffee up to one of the staff uh, this week and I was reflecting on this verse and thinking, so if I get this much reward for a cup of cold water, what do I get for a cup of hot coffee that I bring to a servant of God? 
You know, it, I, I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but, but isn't it crazy? I mean, how, how thorough is God's system of books? Very thorough. I wouldn't expect pay for a cup of water, but let me tell you something. God's going to pay. Promises. God way over Page. Romans 8, 18, Paul says to the Roman church, For I consider that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed in us. It says to the Corinthian church, As it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived. You can't conceive of it. The things that God has prepared for those who love Him. He way over page. You think it's not going well? You think you're not getting the recognition you deserve? You think there's a lot against you in this world? There is. You think, well, what's, what's the use? I mean, I put so much into it, and I see so very little yield, and I would agree with you. But let me tell you something. There's a bookkeeper who knows what you're doing, and he way overpays. Trust him. Believe him. So you don't get paid. You don't get what you pay for. And then a final thing, most importantly, of all the books that God keeps, there is a book that he keeps that has no numbers in it. And I would suggest to you it's the most important book of all his accounting. Look with me here. Let's finish the chapter here, chapter 3 of, uh, of Malachi. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him. Now, first of all, question, why does God need a book of remembrance? Does he have a senility problem? What's going on? He doesn't have a memory problem. See, he doesn't have a memory problem. We have an assurance problem. I, I, I want to be assured. I need some surety, right? I need some earnest, if you will. So his earnest is, I'll put your name in a book just to let you know. I don't ever forget anything. But for your sake, I'll put it there. A book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name, speaking of those, he says, and they will be mine. <laughs> who cares what set of books you've got and if in the end you're not his? Who cares if, if, if all this life you get everything that you want, as Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, you see? This is the most important book there is, and it's got no numbers in it, only names. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Wow. So that's the end of the Old Testament, right? Look at the end of the New Testament. Same thing. Anyone whose name, there it is, no number, only a name, was not found written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. You've gotten all that stuff. You've accomplished all that. You've gotten all your gold medals in life. For what? For what? Your name's not in the book, you see. You, you, you're, you've, you've, you've been figuring according to a different counting uh, system, and, and it's fraudulent. It's lied to you. It's fake. It's not true. He who dies with the most toys wins. No! No! No, they're a huge loser. They're an eternal loser. I'm going to ask you please to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we think about this. The, the book of life, yeah, it's only names there. It's names of those who have trusted God.
It's names of those who have placed their faith in God's Son. The, the book, the name gets written in the book, if you will, stays in the book. It says, Jesus says, to as many as believed him, even to those who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. See, it's not enough to know that Jesus is the Savior. It's not enough to know that God is God. That's not enough. It's a start, but it's not enough. You have to have a personal encounter in which you accept God's Son, Jesus, as your Savior. Have you done that? The book that matters, that's the way your name gets there. The book of life, the book of the living, the book of those that are going to make it, the books that are going to be of the names of those who are going to be with him, who are not going to be in the lake of fire. That's how they get their name there. They don't get their name there by coming to church or, or <coughs> reading the Bible or praying, even though those are good things to do or doing good deeds. Their name gets there because the Scripture says you have to have trusted the Savior. Have you trusted him? Have you placed your faith in him? Maybe you would like to pray today a simple prayer of faith, something like this that just says, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I trust you today. I trust what you did to rescue me from my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. I trust you as my Savior. Have you, have you done that? Have you trusted him? There's no magic in words. The, the effect comes because of the heart that desires it. Does your heart desire that? Call out to him today. Lord, we thank you, and we always need to be reminded of the real books that matter. The book of life, number one. And the book of rewards, number two, because you're going to reward those who serve you fabulously. And even though we're giving out and giving out and giving out, and it seems like nothing's coming in, per se, in our lives, and, and nothing's happening as we, we give out, Lord, we know that you are a bookkeeper. You see, even the smallest thing, even a cup of cold water, you're not going to miss a thing. And in your books, God, if we serve faithfully, there will be such a payout. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for keeping those books. Help us, God, to not get our eyes off of them and start looking at a world that seems to be keeping a, a set of accounting, but it's a fraudulent set. Thank you, God, for speaking to us today. We commit our time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.